Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. Branding. We talk about it a lot on this show and with good reason too. There are a ton of great lawyers out there, but when it's time for a client to decide who they want to represent them, the only thing separating you from the other lawyer is your brand. And this is why my guest today didn't play around when it came to refining what his brand should represent. I think for us, you know, we really were very deliberate in how we formed our firm and certainly our core value of doing good by doing right. And so that by nature, just, you know, the, the motto or the principle of doing good by doing right, it really creates a brand in and of itself and certainly a good reminder for us daily in terms of how we work with our clients and, and really what we're about as a firm. And so it comes pretty naturally. Um, certainly at different times, we've been really focused on the direct marketing, but certainly from brand perspective, it's something that's always in the back of our minds, but certainly on the forefront now in terms of what we're doing as a firm. My guest today is Eric Chafin. Eric is the co-founder and managing partner of Chafin Lahana, a plaintiffs-only PI firm operating throughout New York City, Pittsburgh, and West Virginia. Eric and Chafin Lahana has established themselves as the go-to plaintiffs firm and has a success record to back it up, recovering over $1 billion over the course of the firm's operation. Join us as we discuss what builds a successful brand, how you can motivate a millennial team, and why when it comes to referrals, Eric takes care of his peers just as well as his clients. That's coming up on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Dreyer. Stay with us. Part of Eric's mission is to do good by doing right. And it's a motivation that's heavily influenced and driven by Chafin Lahana's brand. I wanted to talk about some of the initiatives the firm uses to strengthen that brand. I think the big thing for us is, and it's for any firm, I think you have to really figure out what's genuine and authentic for you and uh, can work, work really well. And so for us, uh, we tend to do community events. It's something our team really rallies behind. Uh, we'll do three or four of those a year. You know, I love sports. And so this past fall, we did one around the New York City Marathon with the Reeve Foundation, for example. Currently, in the face of the pandemic, we saw a need to really help people and feed people. And so we pretty quickly organized to give away 10,000 sandwiches uh, within six days, actually, when we had the concept, we did it. And uh, so we have a phenomenal team that can execute very efficiently, both on the foundation level, because we have a foundation, but then through the firm as well. And so really proud of that. And, and, um, and you know, from that, just comes really natural marketing and, and certainly our commercials, everything just really naturally flow from some of that and uh, because it's authentically who we are. Do you find not only from the marketing standpoint that you that it brings like your team together and, and, and there's a cultural aspect of community like uh, from it? 
Yeah, you know, you have to be deliberate still. I mean, there's a natural camaraderie that comes from that. But of course, you know, there has to be things to sustain everyone in between those those points because, you know, those are three or four times a year that we do these bigger events. But yeah, it, it is natural. Um, it's something that, that starts with us in terms of recruiting. Uh, we do a lot of recruiting on LinkedIn, for example, and different places. And, and part of that is to help the millennial generation in particular understand what our brand is. I find a lot of people will say like, you know, my age, you know, I'm almost, I'm pushing 50 now, unfortunately, I wish I was younger, but you know, a lot of people my age will say like, gosh, you know, I hate working with millennials. You know, I don't understand them. They, they want to just, you know, be happy and have lots of friends and not really work so hard. And I find that's not true. What I find is, is they're not as focused on money, but if you can give them a cause to work for, they can get behind that cause very strongly. And so in some way, I actually think they've got it right. My father's generation was, you know, work, 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 put your head down and work, not focused on various other things in life. The millennials, I think, have a lot of general focus, but then also if you can give them a cause, they will rally behind it and work tremendously hard. It's not so much about the compensation. It is. I mean, you know, you want to, you want people that are hungry, but at the same time, like they want that cause. And so for us, it, it really works well to pull the team together because we do have those causes throughout the year. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, so I work with a ton, ton of millennials, of course, sure. uh, and digital marketing. One of the things I find is it, just in general that money isn't the biggest motivating factor. You know, you give someone a raise, or but, but if you give them more responsibilities or a purpose, then I find that it really has an impact. And it sounds like it, what you're experiencing as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the purpose is a big part of it. Obviously, um, you know, they want professional and personal growth. And so I think, you know, having a firm that really works at a high level professionally in complex cases, but then also has that personal level where you're connected with the clients and then also the public causes, that social consciousness, we find we really marry the two together. And so we're excited to offer that to our team. And uh, certainly a big part of it is the team itself. I mean, I, you know, I can't take the credit for a lot of what we do. A lot of it's the team and and being able to build what we do and you know we're we're unique in that we have project managers at our firm you know people who get in and work on projects like this much like other businesses for example unlike you know a lot of traditional law firms and so because of that i think we're more innovative in terms of how we approach things and uh, it keeps a fresh approach and so overall it's just uh, it's a really good part of the team that's a really interesting point you know so a lot of times they for for a business, you have like an account manager that's like the client facing, and then you have then you have a project manager for the legal field. It, it seems like it's kind of a blended role. So you found that just the approach was a separate. It was was really effective. I think that's very interesting. It is, yeah. I mean, we certainly have traditional paralegals. We have different things, but um, you know, we have a, a full time community outreach coordinator in our Pittsburgh office because we do so many different community projects there. She really does project work, um, and then we have two other project managers that work on national projects and regional projects with us. And, um, and sometimes they're business operation projects, sometimes they're client-facing projects, other times they're community-facing projects. And so we work in Asana, we work on Slack. I mean, there's different things that we do that are more like um, different, you know, marketing operation businesses. And we find it really effective. I mean, it's just, it's, it's been really helpful for us. With a marketing strategy, there are plenty of ways to measure your ROI. You can look at the impact on your intake or even conversions on your site, but when you're building your brand through different community initiatives, how do you measure its success? So just to step back for a second, 
you know, we'll do mass tort marketing, for example. And so, of course, a lot of that is direct response because you can't really build a national brand that's sustaining because we don't have the budget of like a Target or a Walmart, for example, right? And uh, so we can't be in every household. I think the closest model to that's maybe a Sokolov model, for example. And, and frankly, because there's so much negative press against attorneys, I think that can actually backfire against you if you're actually out that much. And so even on mass tours, we're very deliberate in terms of what projects we're on television about. And we are on national television direct response on Zantac, for example, or other, other products that we're heavily involved in. Um, in terms of our regional brand, I think that's really where we're, we're talking about today. And that's more in, a, in the PI market in the Pittsburgh area. And um, yeah, we find a lot of people try to replicate us. They'll do something that's more, it's not as authentic in terms of what they're doing. In terms of us and what we look for is, um, we certainly look at impressions, for example. We look for engagement, um, you know, whether that's uh, billboard ads or TV ads or radio ads, um, we're trying to engage everyone in some level. And so, you know, on 10,000 sandwiches, for example, I was, I was going to try to pull up the statistics here. I don't have them in front of me, but, you know, we had literally hundreds of thousands of impressions. Uh, we had, I think it was 150,000 different engagements around that project. I think there were upwards of 700 people uh, through one of the people, one of the groups we were working with, where they were engaged as people that actually participated in the event itself. Um, you know, we work with Oakmont Bakery on that project, so we engaged local businesses. And when we engaged local businesses, we we're able to help them with their brands. But of course, that aligned us with their brand and built some brand credibility and trust. And so just by nature, I think working with those small businesses, a lot of a lot of plaintiffs firms to say, oh, I don't want to work local businesses. That's who I sue. And that's not our philosophy at all. Our philosophy is, is let's engage in the community, help each other, help the public. Then I think the most important thing from our perspective on that particular project, for example, is uh, we actually had people showing up at the event to pick up sandwiches, not just for their families, but to actually take them back to senior centers, take them back to porches to drop off and leave on families' homes. And so to us, that's the ultimate engagement is we actually took members of the public who aren't a business and actually had them doing good for other people in their community. And that was all through something we started. And so from our perspective, that's really how we measure it. We think that we build a stronger connection with the communities by doing that. And it's really authentic to who we are and we're doing good in the process. And, um, and so that's really how we look at it. Yeah, and that's incredible. And a lot of people, when they talk about a brand, they talk about awareness, engagement, consideration. The other way that I hear it is no like and trust. So, so you're building that, that trust and that likability by, by doing goodwill. You talked about Asana and you talked about Slack. So we use Trello and Slack, so we're really close, yeah, right? Yeah. What about what about your CRM, your choice of, of your customer relationship management tool? In terms of today, in the face of the pandemic, I think it's critically important for any firm to really have a dig digital platform of some type. I think having it in the cloud is particularly important. Obviously, security is an issue, so you want to pick a platform that's uh, abundantly secure. You know, there are many platform choices out there. You know, I think some of the leading ones, for example, TrialWorks is one we worked with for a while. We use the remote desktop platform. It's actually now going to a cloud-based system. We're actually not moving to that system. We're actually moving our office over to Litify. We're in the process of doing that now. And, uh, you know, there's pluses and minuses to all these things. I think the biggest thing for us is, is that, you know, we're focused on data. Um, and so from our perspective, 
perspective, um, we're looking at it and we wanted it to be interfaced on Salesforce because it's, you know, just Salesforce is, is everywhere. You know, we actually run Tableau before Salesforce purchased or acquired Tableau. Once that happened, that actually drove our decision to change over from TrialWorks to Litify, frankly. And a lot of people were like, how did that happen? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And, um, but that's just how sort of data oriented we were is we were building Tableau to sit on TrialWorks. And now we're like, wait a second, Salesforce is completely integrated, very easy. And so that's where we're going. So I think that's important. Um, you know, and I think the one thing that, that I think just as businesses, I think we all have to be tuned into is if you're working on cases and complex cases nationally, like we are, I think it's two things. I think it's one is direct to consumer, which we do a lot of. And I think we're very unique in that our firm will not only uh, litigate the cases, we're actually, you know, the top of the leadership in Zantac, for example, my partner Ripple's negotiated with the defense counsel, some, you know, many of the initial 16 organizing orders with other counsel uh, on the plaintiff side. But, but on top of litigating them, we also advertise for our cases. And so we have that business mindset as well. And certainly that client service is a big part of it. And so we think of it so direct to consumer, but then also business to business because we have big referral sources around the country that we work with. And so in the face of the pandemic, we had some of our highest referral weeks yet because the litigations we're involved in. And so we really want a system that not only will work well with our end consumers, but then also work with our referral sources as well. And so having really strong reporting functions, for example, and be able to give optics to our co-counsel as to exactly where cases are and what the status are, as well as like in Zantac, for example, there's a very large census that's building for the clients themselves and to be able to build those census data within our CRM platform is really important. And so we really look at it, you know, from soup to nuts in terms of, of how our CM is interacting. And frankly, there isn't one that really does everything that we want to do. So we do a lot of customization as well. You know, it's a long-winded way of, of saying that we try to look at it as a big picture, but then, you know, even as a managing partner to understand the, the details of what's going on and really be able to understand from the marketing to the actual in-case disbursement is really important, I think. There are tons of nuggets in there, Eric. I could pick <laughs> your brain probably for an hour here. Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is you're, you're focused not only on, on the consumer, but also your peers, they are an extremely valuable lead source. And when you're actually practicing the work and you, and you show that expertise, they want to get maximum value for the good cases they get. So they want to work with someone like you. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's, it's true. And I think for us, I think what we do is much different than many other firms that, that are doing referrals is um, all of our referral sources. The first thing we say to them is, hey, here's how much we're investing personally as a firm. That's, you know, the partner's equity capital in advertising for these projects. That's how much we believe in them. And so I think that goes a long ways with our referral partners, first and foremost. The second part is, is we look at it and say, you know, these are obviously referral sources, but then they have clients as well. And so we have many of them that have regional practices. They invest a lot in building their brand on a regional basis to make sure they have a strong brand equity with their clients and their local areas. And so we wanna look after that for them as well. We wanna make sure that, you know, if we have a client from Kansas that's coming to us for through a referral source that they get top line service. And if there's any issues and communication issues, the local firm as well as us are plugged in very quickly to understand that and be able to address it. And uh, so we wanna make our referral partners look good. And I think having a system that gives transparency across our team is critically important to that. that that's truly unique, the transparency component. I, many of the, the attorneys I talk to, they, they pass off a referral and that's, that's the last time they hear about it until it's settling. So I, I find that really, really intriguing. The other thing is a lot of times 
we'll, we'll see a firm and they'll get a one-star review. And most of the time it wasn't from the service. It was like, it was like, Hey, I don't handle that cat case. See you later. Sure. And that individual will leave a bad review. But if, if you yeah. just even have a good experience or have a partner like yourself that you can transfer a case to, then yeah. it can bring value to the, the local SEO. It definitely does. Yeah. And I, I think even us, I mean, we've, we've certainly, um, we have all had, you can't be in business. And, uh, you know, I say you can't be a good trial lawyer without try, losing cases. You know, if you try cases, you're going to lose some. I learned that as a young prosecutor. But, you know, the same way with clients, I mean, you, you can't have many clients and be successful without having some unhappy ones. And I think the important thing there is, you know, certainly to engage them, you know, as much as you can publicly say a response or provide a response. But the ones we do see, I think most frequently for us or anybody else is where someone thinks that you'll take on every possible case. And, you know, our philosophy is doing good by doing right is really, hey, there are some cases that in our view are just not going to be profitable for the client. When I say profitable, I don't mean just economically. I mean emotionally as well. Sometimes the emotional toll on litigation is so significant. We really look at it from that perspective, have a conversation with the clients themselves as well as the referring counsel. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, you know, we do see unique device litigation and we post uh, some blogs and legal news on Legal Examiner, for example. And so we get calls from attorneys um, quite often on projects and cer certainly can talk through with them, you know, the aspects of it, what we've seen and whether it would make sense to pursue it or not. And so then the client actually gets an educated discussion about the particular issue versus, no, we can't help you with that. And they just get turned away. And uh, so it does lead to a more satisfied client experience on that level as well. Yeah, that's very smart. So I, I've got to pivot here, Eric. Sure. I got to ask you an SEO nerd question here. So in the past, you used to have OhioValleyPILawyers.com you know, was your decision to merge that site with Chafin Lahana more of an SEO strategy or was that a bigger picture brand strategy? So let me step back for a second. So, you know, I, I started in the digital space um, with SEO in particular, probably back, you know, I was at Seeger Weiss and then I was at, a, you know, Bernstein Leopard in, in New York. And um, my focus then, which was probably 2008 to 2010, was really SEO. And so, you know, Rupal and I really perfected SEO as attorneys, frankly, doing keywords off of denture adhesive and zinc. And, uh, you know, we settled about $140 million in cases in the first year and a half, two years oh. of the firm which was all pretty much cases driven by SEO combined with some organic like Good Morning America, different press we did around because we were litigating the cases. Again, you're like using that with SEO is a really powerful strategy. And so that's where we came from. And so SEO has always been part of our strategy in some level. Of course, is, is, as things have progressed, it becomes more diluted on some levels because of localization as well as how Google's wanting you to pay for your ads. And so I think it's really part of an overall strategy online. And so I think there, you know, there's businesses like yours where I think it has to be part of that strategy. And certainly if you can marry it up with those other pieces, you know, it's a really powerful strategy, both on a regional and national basis. I think the thing for us is, you know, we started in 2010 as really a mass tort firm. We decided in 2013 to start the Pittsburgh and West Virginia offices. We first went into West Virginia, then we went into Pittsburgh. And so 13, it was really West Virginia, 15 more concentrated in Pittsburgh. We started with Ohio Valley PI lawyers because that's really the, the tri-state area there in the Pittsburgh area. We had that, and then we had the Chief Lana site, which is really primarily out of New York. And we made a mistake, frankly, from the beginning because we basically separated our brand. And so it became apparent to us in 15, 16 that we really needed to bring our brand back together. And that's really, really started focusing on what does the brand stand for? 
how can we use it not just on a regional basis, but a national basis as well, and really bring everything together. It brings our offices together better to be under one umbrella, just everything. And so it's a combination of, um, of that and an SEO strategy. You know, we've really had the consolidated sites now, I guess it's been about a year and a half, something like that. I think it's interesting. I think we rank really well for some of our national mass tort keywords. We're at different places. We're not where we were with Ohio Valley PI lawyers, for example, in the Pittsburgh office. And uh, I have some understanding of why that is and strategies we're going to employ to, to fix that, but not something I'll talk about public, frankly. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. I, I'm a big advocate of one site. It's, you know, one brand, you're, you're essentially when you have multiple sites, it's multiple brands, you got to build up all that equity. So I, I think definitely the right decision, but I get it back in the, you know, several years ago around that 2008 period, having the keyword in the domain would help you. So I understand that strategy and, and how the domain really helped you dominate. Sure. Let, let's talk about you. Be, being the firm's managing partner, you have limited time and you really need to focus these activities on the, the high value activities that bring the most value to the firm. What are your HVAs or your high value activities? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, it's it's certainly certainly changed over time. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, when we first started, I did some SEO work, certainly understanding of it. It's, I think it's important as a managing partner to have an understanding of different parts of the business and even understand the details of it, I think is really important. With that said, I mean, probably 90% of my time until really the last year and a half to two years was really litigating cases. I was trial counsel on cases. I was national litigation counsel on big projects. And, uh, you know, we've really reached a point where Rupal, who's my law partner on Mass Torts, is really managing that practice and out on front, for example, on Zantac. And then Pat Booth, who's our partner in the Pittsburgh office, is really out in front of a lot of our personal injury cases. And so that's freed me up to work a lot more on the business rather than in the business. And I think that's a really difficult thing to do as a trial lawyer and someone who used to be a federal prosecutor is, you know, I have that that hunger to be in there and, and litigating and trying cases. The important thing is you have to step back and say, you know, what is the highest and best use of time, particularly as we're on a growth strategy in the next three to five years? And I think for us, um, you know, I think coming to the realization that my, myself accepting that that's, you know, working on the business is a really important aspect of it has been a, a mind shift for me. And so I spend more time uh, on the business itself. The other part of it is, you know, we got involved with Crisp and Michael Mogul in particular. And um, I know you know those guys. And Michael's a great guy. And, you know, I think he's he's got wisdom beyond his years in terms of some of his insights as well as his business strategies. And so we've been really active in, in a masterminds group with them as well as, uh, you know, just met some really brilliant, you know, owners of law firms across the country. And just seeing everyone doing different things, but then also doing some self-assessments. And, uh, you know, we did Colby, for example, as our firm. And, you know, there's different parts of Colby. And the one thing that for myself that I came to realize is, you know, there's people that are fact finders or people that are follow through. They're very rule oriented in terms of following rules. And then there are people that are really creative mind people as well. And many entrepreneurs tend to be creative mindset. And I tend to be a fact finder, but then also that, that longer green line and a little more creative. And that's sort of my natural spot. And so for me, that's where I spend a lot more time in the business to give myself that creative freedom, you know, looking at people like, you know, Bill Gates, for example, or others who 
you know, have that mindset of stepping away from the business, trying to understand society, what are some of the approaches, you know, what's the firm about, what are we trying to achieve, you know, our words right now for this year, positive impact. Um, that's something across our team that we're focused on. And, uh, and so just really trying to look at projects and say, how can we have a positive impact? And, you know, 10,000 sandwiches, for example, is something I came up with, you know, sort of, you know, spur of the moment on a, I think it was a Tuesday morning on the 17th. And then literally, but we were executing it by the 23rd. And, uh, and so just, you know, working on projects like that, not just outwardly on the community, in the community, but then also within the firm in terms of systems, within platforms, with referral sources, that's really where I'm spending the time right now. And, uh, and I think as, as a managing partner, I think that's really important. And it's something that probably in the first nine years or so of our firm, I wasn't as focused as much on, uh, but certainly getting to where we wanna go and certainly the next you know, five years, 10 years, I think that's critically important. Taking a step back from litigation, Eric is better able to focus on the business of running his firm and look out for potential valuable opportunities. After dropping so many great lessons, I had to ask him what other advice he had for lawyers and practice owners out there. You know, we're seeing the pandemic and I think there's going to be an awakening, I think, for everybody. I mean, I, I think the one thing, and I'll just say something personal that I think we can we can just sort of uh, broaden it. But, you know, for me, being home as much as I am and being able to work from home, you know, I have a commute that's 45 minutes to an hour and 15 each day, each way, I should say, to New York City uh, from my home in Westchester. Or if I'm traveling to my Pittsburgh office, it's, it's obviously longer and I'm spending the night or a couple of nights. And so I think this period has certainly uh, allowed me to be at home, see some of what I've missed for example, and I think there are other people that, that see that as well. With that said, I have a, a deep passion for what I do. It's deep rooted in who I am, you know, partly because of what I've experienced in my life. And so I love what I do, truly. I think there are other people that, that maybe aren't in that position where they're doing it because they feel like they have to. And I think, you know, if you really want to grow a firm, I think the first thing is, is do you really want that? And, and frankly, if you do, then I think you, you have to figure out, you know, how best to do that. And I think that the best strategy is, is to not just do like what I saw my dad do, which is just work tremendously hard, just keep working, 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 um, but instead figure out for yourself, not how to soothe issues in your life, but how to re truly recover. And I think that's something that I didn't really understand, but I certainly come to understand since like 2015, when I started meditating. But you know, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. Once you do that, you can help others put theirs on. And to be a true leader, I think it really starts from within. And so, you know, for me, that's, you know, non-negotiables are I meditate daily, usually twice a day, 20 minutes each. I physically train. I love training to, to a goal. So I do Ironman races. I love that. Um, that's something I do. It's non-negotiable. It's just part of my life. Um, you know, there are other things like journaling, doing gratitude. I think it's really important. So all those things help me stay present in the moment when I am with my family so that I can disengage from the work itself. And so I, th I think that's really important. If you do those things and you're still in a position of clarity where you're like, that's what I want, then I think, you know, go after it. If it's in a position where you're doing it because you think that you need to do it to keep up with the Joneses because that's what you need to do as a firm. I think that's a mistake. And I think that's a recipe for failure, quite frankly, or success with a lot of problems with it. I think that's such a great piece of advice because maybe as a lawyer or a law firm owner, you're not quite where you wanna be yet, but finding a way to retrieve from that hard work and recharge is so valuable in helping you come back the next day ready to press on towards your goals.
you've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. A huge thank you to today's guest, Eric Chaffinch, for joining us. You can find all of the links from today's conversation in the show notes, and we want to hear from you. What are some of the ways that you're promoting your brand? Drop us a review and share your thoughts. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.